0: This is the Catalyst Podcast, Food for the Journey. Season 4, Episode 4. The Hidden Life, Your Precious Treasure in Tough Times, Part 2. Hi, I'm Michael. Welcome back to the Catalyst Podcast. Hope things are going well for you today. And I've got some more material to share with you when we're talking about your inner life, how to cultivate what comes from the inside to help manifest on the outside. So I like to say a huge thank you to our sponsors for the Catos podcast. They are the Masterclass Sessions. If you click on the link in the show notes, you can book yourself on. The next one coming up is with Tara Lee Harrison, who's going to be looking at how your network can help you, having referrals, partnerships. Very essential in business. I've learned that over the last few years, having those people around you that help you to build your business and vice versa. So, if you want to join that, just click on the link in the show notes. I'll be there. It's going to be a good time. So, we were looking last time about the inner life. In these first few episodes, we've been looking at how do you get through these tough times? What do you actually do? What do you not do? What can help you? What can not help you so much? And I made the case last time that. It's your inner life. Do you remember we talked about Kyle Cease's idea that it's not what you love, sorry it's not what loves you, it's what you love. Coming from the inside outwards, if we always want the outside to make us happy it's never going to be enough, it's never going to be enough. So what do we do about that? Well we cultivate from the inside and I'd like to build on that today and give you five more ways that you can cultivate the inner journey and your inner self because... I personally, there's still not enough done on this at all. We talk about mental health and we talk about relationships, and they're great and they're very important, but they're just part of the pie. They're part of the whole. I don't ever remember see, having a single class in school that I ever taught or went to on how to nourish your inner self. So let's do it. <laughs> the, these are daily practices. I'm a musician, and for over 20 years, I've played music. And there's different ways of looking at practice. You can look at practice as in it's something that you do repeatedly to get to an end result and to be able to perform, so pass a grade or uh, do a performance. But the more that you practice something over a period of time, talking years, decades, you realize that there is a practice is a way of engaging something over a lifetime sometimes. There's a fantastic Japanese concept called ikigai, and that is your your practice is your thing that you are committed to that the world needs that you love that what you're very good at your your practice it doesn't end it's something you continually practice and that's what I'd suggest these are these are practices these aren't things that you do to get a result these are things that if you make the effort to engage with them you know regularly even daily they will transform your life 100% because they have for for mine (laughs) I'm not special so the first one is a brilliant thing that I learned from business and Imagine that you had an asset, house, car, piece of software, product, whatever, is worth a billion pounds or a billion dollars or a billion euros or 10 billion if you're rich. <laughs> you think, wow, I would look after that. That's, wow, I'd, I'd have CCTV, I'd have security, I'd polish it every day. I'd make sure nobody knew where it was, I'd bury it in a hole in the ground like pirates used to with treasure. I would take care of that. Well, you are that billion pound asset that billion dollars that billion euros you're worth way more than that and not only thinking of yourself like that really helps because we, we are far too hard on ourselves are mean we? We, we say I am a bad person because I've done this I'm not very good at this or this was okay I'm not in good shape or my business isn't doing this and we treat ourselves like we're worth 10 pounds dollars euros but even more than that just keep that concept in your mind if you had a billion pound asset you looked after it and you but I'd argue, i take it one further. You are what I learned from Daniel Priestley, who's an incredible businessman. You are capable of creating what's called asset zero. So if you have assets, they pay you money, right? Um, simple as that. But if you can create assets, so if you can create intellectual property, if you can make products, if you can write songs, if you can build, I don't know, solutions to the world's problems, that's incredibly powerful. And he calls it asset zero. It means your ability to create assets. Now, if you're not too into business, another way I think about it is your ability to be creative is way more powerful and important than the thing that you actually create, you get me? So if you're talking about playing an instrument, if you play an instrument, you have an ability to write loads of songs and create new material. So that's the first one. Just understand you have the ability to create so much. And I read a really good quote that said, if you have nothing else to create, create yourself. Create yourself, create your life. So that's the first one. Treat yourself like you're worth billions and billions. But not only that, that you can create unlimited opportunities. Because every single person I've taught, every single person, I've never come up against a person where I've gone, well, they've got limited potential. Seriously, I've had, they might have had problems going on and, and challenges, but I've never thought, well, they're pretty limited. Never, never once. So that's pretty cool, isn't it? Thousands and thousands of people have never once gone, hmm, yeah, they're only worth a tenner, you know? So that's a good one to start with. The second one is a beautiful, wonderful thing. And it's this, embracing hope. And what is hope? Could you do us one right now? I could. I don't think you ever have too much hope. To me, hope, I've talked about hope a few times. But let's look at it as the possibility of wonderful things happening. The possibility that the next phone call, the next email, the next text message might be a brand new client landing a deal. I don't know, your partner's pregnant. Uh, You've got the house, the house has finally come through. You know, the big thing that you're wanting. But if you go behind that, like we said before, we don't want the outer thing to make us happy. Behind that is this ability to think things can be good. They can get better. What I call, leave the door open. The door is always open. As long as the door is open to whatever, then good stuff can come through. The moment you slam the door and we embrace despair and say, it's always like this, it's never going to change. We've limited ourselves. And to me at the moment, just keep that door open, even just a fraction, even if you're entertaining a 1% chance that, mm, yeah, I suppose things could get better. Because not a single one of us can ever say that they won't in some way because we can't time travel can we we can't go to the future so anybody it's quite funny when you see these people making these predictions on the economy and all these things they're often wrong they're often wrong if you if you take say a news channel today and record it and they say the economy's going to do this this person's going to do this etc cetera, etc cetera. as i'm making this right now the transfer window in uh, the uk in the premier league football soccer all the players who's going to go where People making predictions. I guarantee in two weeks most of those predictions have been wrong. (laughs) But we have to do that. We have to look forward and we have to make predictions. But with hope, it's saying, Maybe there is a possibility. You remember the Star Wars film, the first one, the seventies? What was it called? Star Wars, A New Hope. There was this idea that there's a there's a hope born. There's a person that's gonna help change these things. Now, I'm gonna put a link in the show notes to something that I think can help you and it definitely helped me to understand the fundamental value of hope in our world. It's not a nice thing, it's not a nice thing to have, I don't like the word nice, it's not something where you say well they're quite a positive person or is very hopeful and more realistic, please don't think like that, they won't, it won't help you. This will, it's um, an article written by the Harvard Business Review, an excellent article, it's quite long, it's worth reading, But even if you don't read the article, within the article is contained a fantastic infographic. Now you might have heard of Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, it's a triangle, it's basically saying look after your bottom level of food, water, you know, and all that. And once you work your way through, you start to go to things of higher value, but they're they're more kind of difficult to obtain. Well this looked at how do you measure value in business? And again, you know me, you know that business affects your life and vice versa. So you don't even need to be a business owner to interpret this infographic because business always involves people. So if you're dealing with people, this will be relevant to you. And it came up with 30 elements of value. Now, the main one people always talk about is price. If it's lower price, it's higher value. Uh, I don't think so, not necessarily. Then people start thinking, well, no, if you save people time, if you save them hassle, if you do what you say you're going to do, Again, to be blunt, I'm pretty sure all those things should just be a given. They're expected. They don't think that's particularly high value. That's just an expectation, especially at the moment. We have such high expectations, don't we? You know, if our delivery is like one day late, it's the worst thing in the world. Anyway, they came up with 30, 30 different ways that a person or a business can offer value to somebody in their life, socially, emotionally, trying to change their life, leaving a legacy. It's well worth looking at, reading. Even if you don't read this the study, just look at the picture because right near the top is hope the very top is self-transcendence that ability to step beyond yourself to be part of something so whether that's you go to a gig and listen to music whether it's your parent and you raise a child whether that you build a business and you create a podcast that people can listen to you transcend beyond yourself it comes from the inside to the outside and then you're part of something else and hope was the second out of the top And they were making the point, and I definitely agree with this, from my years in teaching and my years in business, if you can give somebody hope, that is massively valuable. I'm going to say that again. If you can provide hope with your products, with your services, with your insights, with just being there for people, helping them in whatever way you can, it is one of the most valuable things that you can do in life. So let that sink in. So never underestimate if you're there for a friend at the moment, supporting them. If you're trying to be there for your clients and you know trying to help them through difficult times, if you're just helping them to try and see ways forward, if you're, say, an accountant, you're doing financial projections, you're trying to help them to see the next quarter, the next year. That is massively valuable. So like we said before, you've got to cultivate that ability. How do you do it? You don't go around thinking everything's going to be fabulous. You go around thinking, all right, how can I be open to things getting better and your brain's an incredible thing and your heart and it starts to all works again and goes well I don't know I could do something what about other people doing things have things been in the past you know maybe it isn't like this maybe it's not going to always be like this It's something really really powerful so keeping that door open that hope that possibility it's massively massively valuable The next thing is very personal for me because I'm definitely going through this and I'd say I've been going through this for maybe 15 years is patience. Now I've got a quote that I wanted to read you which I just think sums up a lot of different things that are going on in the world and a lot of people tell me this sums up kind of how they feel. So it's this, remember how far you've come not just how far you have to go You're not where you want to be, but neither are you where you used to be. And it was a man called Rick Warren. And what that strongly resonated with me, the reason that resonated with me was it's true, especially in business, we have to be so patient. Now, patient does not mean sitting around waiting. It means understanding that you ain't going to get everything you want straight away or even over a period of time. It's that ability to what I heard once described as live in the gray So we're always thinking, right, well, when this happens, it's going to be great, and this, and it's never quite happening, you're always kind of waiting for it, or as soon as that thing happens, it's on to the next one, you're kind of restarting, and if you take all of your aspects of your life, you know, your business, your health, your spirituality, your relationships, whatever it is, your contribution, your finance, the chances are at least two to three out of seven areas is always going to involve patience. It's always going to have to be that ability to go, it's not how I want it to be yet. And being okay with that really, really helps. It's helped me a lot. I've had to be very patient recently with products and services and things I'm trying to put out. And the in, you know, the child in me is going, let's go right away now, let's go, let's go. That's very immature. To expect it to be a, a certain way, just because I feel that way. Do you remember we said before, what did Kyle help us to see? the world does not and should not have to be changing just to give you what you want all the time. It's not possible. It's physically impossible. It's never going to happen. So that ability to be like, mm, okay, it's not how I want it right now. Okay, I'm all right with that. It's not the end of the world. I hang on in there. i will busy myself. I'll distract myself. It will get there eventually if I keep doing what I'm doing. That patience is, like we said before, it's a practice. It's not waiting for something and being unhappy until that thing arrives because often it can be an anti you achieve the something you get the degree you, you know you get the job whatever it is and you think really looking back through all that was that worth the 30 days of impatience and unhappiness leading up to it i doubt it i really doubt it i can't think of a time uh, where the patience the lack of patience was really worth it <laughs> so Patience is something to practice. I used to say, when I get this, I'll be happy. When I get this, I'll be happy. It was my blue belt in jiu-jitsu, then it was my brown belt, then it was my car, then it was my house, then it was my job, then it was my business. And if I think back through all those things, I don't think that they came any quicker or suffered any less because I was impatient about it. Patience is a very, very challenging thing. It's why it's held up as a virtue. It's not easy, but it is definitely worth cultivating. Being patient with a child, being patient with an animal, being patient with a challenging customer, being patient with yourself when you're not how you want to be. Oh, it's beautiful. It's that that ability to be like, like we said before with Rick, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was before. And that easiness to be like, okay, I'm on, I'm on the journey, you know, so that's patience. Adaptability, being agile. If you do a lot of reading or research, you'll read in the papers so much about this, online, so many blogs, CEOs, CFOs, you know, how do we stay agile in the unchanging, and um, the, the ever-changing and unstable volatility of the global marketplace, you hear lots of these phrases, and it's adaptability, but what does that actually mean? Well, evolutionary, our world is built on adaptability, you know, you hear a lot of people when they say things like there's that literary quote, you know, nature is red in tooth and claw or survival of the strongest or the fittest. Well it's not actually strongest, it's the fittest. And when I've actually looked into that, a lot of us have and I've had this, I'm keep working on this, like pseudoscientifical understanding. We'll take like one line or one something from one study or one famous person and apply that to our life as the paradigm for how it is. And you hear a lot of that, maybe not as much, but you used to hear a lot of that in relation to business and relationships you know a phrase like dog eat dog and all this maybe depending on where you're coming from so the ability to adapt is much more what I would say it's all about not the ability to compete you know if you adapt well enough maybe you don't need to compete you know you know like when you're a child and you used to play a game and you just don't want to play anymore and suddenly all the rules just doesn't matter because the game's over you don't want to play anymore being able to ad- adapt to what happens and what doesn't happen is again something that I think is very underrated we talk it's like a lot of things we talk about these things but do we actually do them I don't know and for me at the moment I've got an injury so I'm carrying an injury and I've had to adapt it's like I had COVID recently and I had to adapt I had to totally adapt overnight well that day everything had to change again we're not looking at what you physically do i don't want you ever to think i've got to do this i've got to do that i've got to do no it's saying adaptability as a practice as something inside you say yeah part of me is i'm adaptable i can adapt i can change it's highly highly valuable it's the same socially certain things that used to be acceptable to be said or done even 10 years ago are not anymore and in my opinion that's a very good thing making great strides Towards people being seen, people being heard, people having equal opportunities. It's all really good. So that adaptability is social as well as biological and environmental. And just get on board with it. Go with it. We're not saying you have to change because other people are changing or you change when the environment keep up. I don't like those kinds of things. It's just understanding that the ability to change is hardwired, hardwired into your brain. It's hardwired into all environments and go with it. The best examples of my success and happiness have come from my ability to adapt and change and be open to new things. I said it before, when I became a musician, that was an adaption. I went from a (laughs) non-musician to, yeah, I play this instrument, and then I changed instruments. I like doing different instruments, adapting to different things, going from being a teacher into running a business. That was an adaption. All these different things. So being able to say, yeah, I can switch some stuff up a bit of variety, I can adapt to this, oh that's changed, oh I was video calling my mum last night and I was thinking that would have been a fantasy 20 years ago and now we, we adapt to these things and we don't even think about it, so adaptability, it's not about changing who you are to please other people or anything like that, it's just embracing that natural ability for us as human beings to go, okay I can roll with this, I can, I can roll with this, the last one's a very simple one, but it's one that I I think is is brilliant. And it's not reacting straight away. A bit of self-control, a bit of discipline. And I want to leave you with a funny story that illustrates the point. Um, when I was teaching, it was my fourth year in teaching, I think. I can't remember, fourth year. And one of the children had done something really bad. They punched another child in the face. It was bad. It wasn't good. And, you know, depending on which teacher you talk to, teachers do get upset and they do get annoyed, like every human being. But we can't shout, we can't, you know, run around going rah, rah, rah. We have to be nice and calm. And I wasn't feeling particularly calm in that moment. I was really upset by that. I was thinking, why have you done that, you know? But I had th- 35, like six-year-old, 7 year olds just staring at me, going, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I said, right, everyone watch, please, watch. And they're watching me, and I, and I was doing some deep breathing and just kind of breathing up and down nice and slow, and I did that for about 15 seconds. And they said, what are you doing? And I said, well, you know what's just happened with these two boys? And they said, yeah. And they said, how did, how did I look before? Oh, you look really angry. You look really upset. Yeah, yeah. How do I look now? You look really calm. You look fine. Yeah, I'll calm myself down. That's what I want you to do. I want you to do the same. If Mr. Quigley can do it, you can do it. Now, was a silly example. But in that moment, I could have reacted. And that wouldn't have been good. And the email that you shouldn't have sent, the text message, the thing, the conversation, you know... Afterwards, do we often think, yeah, that was deserved? You think, no, often you think, no, I shouldn't have said that. And we're not saying that you don't be you and express your opinion and do the right thing and pull things up and show accountability for people when they need it. It's more if you're having that emotional reaction, that kind of thing where I've just been watching the program She-Hawk. It's brilliant, by the way. recommend checking it out. Now, the difference between Hulk and She-Hawk is She-Hawk's in control pretty much of her emotional state, whereas Hulk doesn't. He smashes things and afterwards thinks, oh, no. So just thinking about that, that's a practice that I have found is very, very helpful. That ability to go, oh, hang on, hang on. Let me just give myself a minute. I had it literally yesterday. I was in a, a Zoom meeting and I said, can you just give me a minute? Went out the room, calm myself down. <laughs> I haven't felt like that in ages, but I knew ex- I could feel it. I knew exactly what to do. I was like, oh, oh, nope, stop, stop. Went out the room, deep breathing, came back in. I said, thank you for that time and just carried on. And the meeting progressed in a much better way than it would have if I hadn't something to think about. (laughs) So I hope that's been helpful for you to give you some just further food for thought in relation to those inner practices. I guarantee any of those five, if you make those part of your life, oh, they'll compound into incredible, wonderful, affirmative, inspirational things that I can't even tell you because I'm not special and they're working for me and people I know just by trying them. So try them out. It's not going to do any harm whatsoever. And until we talk again, just remember two things. Take something from today. Think, oh, I'm going to check out that value pyramid or, yeah, I'm having to be a bit patient at the moment. And just take action on one of them. Just one. But even if you don't, you know, just know that right now, just as you are, somebody loves you very, very much. Okay. Take care and speak soon. So today's positive random fact is a beautiful one. It Talk about adaptability. There's a man called Gary Shemp. I hope I've said that right. And he looked at the problems that are going on with bees disappearing and dying and realized that our world is dependent on bees. A whole um, structure needs these bees. And he was personally responsible for rehousing, rehoming and look after 30,000 bees. That's a lot of bees. Just from one man taking responsibility for his environment. How cool is that?